follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc on the Voice America Kids on the Voice America Sports Network. And today we are joined by a very special guest. We are joined by the longtime voice of the Philadelphia Phillies, Chris Wheeler. Chris, how you doing? Hi, Spencer. Nice to be with you. So, Chris, uh, we're just going to get the viewers familiar with your background. You grew up in the Philadelphia area. When did your love for baseball begin? Well, I, I was born in 1945, and I grew up in Newtown Square in Delaware County. And uh, I played the game when I was a kid all the time. I loved the Little League, Babe Ruth League, American Legion. One year of uh, one year of the Delco League, I tried to play and realized I wasn't good enough. Uh, but I always went to games. My mom and dad were great. Took me to Connie Mac Stadium when I was a kid, and, and helped me nurture my love of the game. But I would go to games by myself back in those days. It was a little safer than it is now. We would take the subway or the bus from the, from the suburbs and just go up to County Max Stadium, buy a ticket, and watch a game. So I guess from the time that I can remember, I've always loved baseball and loved being around it. Um, so it was the Philadelphia Athletics back then, am I correct? Well, the A's moved in 1954, uh, and I was nine years old when they moved. But I did remember uh, seeing some of their players. Uh in fact, when they moved on, um, I, I still followed some of them. But my parents were National League fans, so I, I really didn't follow the A's all that much because they were more Phillies fans. And, you know, what your parents like, usually when you're a kid, you're going to like them too. Absolutely. Uh, so now getting into the prime of your announcing career. Um, actually, this was maybe uh, your early announcing career. So you started in 1977, and then three years later, that famous year in 1980, um, you were pleasured to be on hand in announcing the 1980 World Championship team. Talk about that experience and that special season in Phillies baseball. Well, that to me is still the most special season I've ever been involved in um, for a variety of reasons, but number one being the, the frustrations of 76, 77, and 78. We got so close. Back in those years, you only had to win three games in postseason. You went to the World Series. It's not like it is now, and we weren't able to do it. And, in 80, we were able to get over the hump and do it. And um, the main reason, Spencer, why it was so important was those were my guys. We all grew up together. A lot of us were right around the same age. They were the guys that I broke in to the game with in 1971. Boa, Schmidt, Lazinski, Boone, Carlton, all those guys came around right at that time, and we all went through all the frustrations together. 
uh, being around the same age, I hung with them a lot. Now I don't hang with players like I could be their grandfather. But back in those days, we were around each other all the time. So to me, that was the, be- the biggest thrill I've had in baseball was, was being able to be part of that 1980 World Series team. That's really interesting um, that you said that you were friends with uh, Mike Schmidt and the players being around their same age. I just I just was curious. Uh, uh, did you did you ever go out with the players and being an announcer? How much exposure can you have to the guys on road trips and such? Well, they trust they trusted me. Uh, uh, you, you know, once I once I got in the booth, we had our problems. A few of us um, because they didn't like me up there talking about them or having to say something critical about them. But we got past that point, and we were we were fine. But uh, it, it, there was a little adjustment, absolutely. There were, and I, what I used to say to them is, well, the things that I see down there, I learned from you guys. So all I'm saying is, what you guys taught me is right and wrong about the game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So be, being a baseball announcer, uh, unlike mm-hmm. other sports like uh, golf or basketball. It's a slower pace game, and, and it requires a lot of downtime between each pitch and so-called um, quietness or, or dead air between each pitch. Talk about your approach as a commentator, and talk about how you kind of were nurtured into the role of being a baseball announcer and small talk and, and all that sorts of being a, a baseball announcer. Well, first you have to understand that radio and television are two very different uh, mediums. Um, on radio, uh, you have to learn how to do a game a different way. If you're the play-by-play guy, you have to paint a picture. Uh, you have to, you have to, um, you have to be the eyes of the viewer. Uh, I mean, of your listener when they're down there. And if you're the analyst, you have to stay out of the way of the play-by-play guy. So, to me, radio, I love doing radio, but radio can be more difficult to do than television. Television is easier to do because the pictures are there. You can be in the middle of telling a story or, or, or talking about something else, and you see that a ball was just pitched and fouled off. Right. You don't have to worry about saying, here's the stretch, here's the pitch, fouled off. Right. So those are the kind of things that it's so much different when you do television and radio, and you have to learn how to do those. And I've been lucky over the years that uh, I've been able to do both mediums. So in television, um, just as a broadcaster in general, um, for, for, for television, it, it could be more challenging, though, in respects that, is this true or false? You need to have more um, side conversations in television because the viewers can see the ball being fouled off, where on radio, your information and research is just recapping the pitch at hand. Is there more small talk on television because you don't have to say he fouls it off to the left side, where on television, the viewers already know that from seeing that? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, as you know, as television has evolved, and you've seen it as a, as a young guy, um, we have much more in the way of graphics. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff being put up on the screen that we have to, you have to make some comment about it or allude to it. You're, you're dealing now with people sitting in their homes with 60-inch televisions, and, it, and when something pops up on the screen, suppose a fanatic's down there fooling around in the crowd. We can't ignore it. You have to say, well, there's a fanatic having a good time with so-and-so or with his children. Or, so and then get back to what you're doing. Uh, you, you, you do have a tendency uh, to have to hang on the pictures and make sure that you do say something about what's on the screen. A lot of that, you have to work with your producer and your director. Uh, hopefully they will follow you, like when I'll say talk something about the infield in or the outfield shifted one way or the other. They take that shot then to follow you. The good directors and the good producers follow the people on on the air as far as 
anecdotes, stories. Yeah, that all fits in. I think a lot of that has to do with the pace of the game. If you have a game that's going along, you don't have to fill in with a whole lot of stuff. If you've got a 12-1 game on your hands and you're trying to do some things and entertain a little bit more, I think you have to reach back and try to do some more of those things. I've always been of the, of the feeling that I want the game to be carrying what's going on, and I just want to be part of it. I don't want to be the show. Yeah, you, you don't want to take over the show. Um, and that's very insightful and a very complete answer. Um, you spend a lot of time with the play-by-play guy. Talk about your friendship and how important it is to know uh, the play-by-play guy outside of just being an announcer. Well, it's really important to people you work with that you have some rapport with them and you get along. I've done both. I did play-by-play for a lot of years on on cable television, even on our over-the-air. So I work with a lot of guys, and I've always felt that if I can draw them in and use their expertise, then everybody sounds better. There's nothing worse than listening to a broadcast where one party sounds uneasy with the other one or one uh, just takes over and kind of ignores the other person who's with them. Sometimes that will happen. Uh, you can tell it. You can you can feel the tension in the booth, and I've always felt the worst thing you can do is transfer that attention to your viewer or your listener. And I've always been very very wary of that. So always, whoever I work with, try my best to make them make them even better, or uh, to try and include them in what I'm doing. And hopefully, they'll try to include me too. Fantastic. Unselfishness comes to mind when you mention that and giving giving a 50-50 slate. So, I mean, we're learning here on the Voice America Sports Network talking to Chris Wheeler really about what being an announcer is all about and working with a, uh, a play-by-play guy and uh, bouncing ideas off each other and making them better. Um, so right now I want to kind of get to a more recent topic, which is the Philadelphia Phillies. And you're an expert on this team. You've been watching them. And for my senior project um, from Herodon High School, uh, I was elected uh, to cover a player, and I'm covering outfielder Dominic Brown. He's a young and intriguing player. I know Dominic struggled in the early part of the season. Maybe he was antsy to get underway, but in the last nine games, he's been on a tear. Talk about the progression that Dominic has made so far in this young season, and talk about really what has been the keys to his ignition this year. Well, I, I don't think there's any game harder to play than our game because it's built to make you fail. Everything about it uh, is a, it's a failure sport. So that's number one is you have to somehow get in your head that you're going to fail and that you have to just keep trying to push on and get better and better. Uh, as far as Dominic goes, he, he's a young kid who's raw. He, he didn't play a whole lot of baseball. It's very obvious that, the, that, that there are things that he has to, to try and learn. He, he is coachable. He has physical ability. Uh, I personally feel that you need a whole year of watching him try to play as an everyday player against right-handed, left-handed pitching, also learning how to play the outfield. And I think you can make it. A, I really uh, have trouble making an evaluation of a player I haven't seen until I see them almost for a whole year, unless they're just exceptional, like when Mike Schmidt came up or somebody like that, and you knew right away you had something on your hands that was different. Um, but as far as Dominic goes, uh, I would kind of like to pass on my judgments on him until I get to see him play a whole year in the major leagues and see if, in fact, he is an everyday player, if, in fact, he's a platoon player, or he's a player that you say, okay, he's a player I would move during the off season. But there's a lot of potential there right now. He's got a nice little run, uh, as you say, for the last um, you know a week or so. But uh, this is a long, long grind of ups and downs of, of going into slumps of the league adjusting to you and you having to adjust back. 
so many things happen in the course of a long day. And the other thing with him is he's never been able to stay healthy. So we have to keep him healthy for a year, too. So so with Dominic Brown, he so, so he played football, obviously, growing up in Florida, and he was an All-American in both sports. Would you categorize Dominic in his stage in his career right now as just a raw athlete just learning to play the game and not he needs to become more polished as a ball player? Yeah, I think that's very accurate, and uh, he is an athlete. He can do a lot of things. You can't teach a guy to hit a baseball 450 feet the way that he can do Right. And hit a balls and upper decks and things like you don't teach that. That's yeah. natural. That's called bat speed. And you either can do those kind of things or you can't. Yeah. So yeah, he can do a lot of things, but you have to understand that the guys that stand on the mound and the scouts and coaches and all and managers from other teams, they sit there before every game and they have all these charts in front of them and they find your hot and cold zones and they try to get you out as much as possible. Right. So then you have to adjust back. And then we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, so you mentioned that baseball is a game of failure, and I just wanted to quickly get into it because we have a couple other questions. But in this in this league of, of baseball, in this modern age, uh, recently we've seen more power to the pitchers. Talk about, do you really think the pitchers have an advantage on the hitters because they can scout and because they are in control of what they're throwing? So is that what you mean by game is a failure is for the batter against the pitcher? Well, you know, pitchers too, but I can't think of anything that's harder to do in sports than hit a baseball on a regular basis. Uh, everything really is against you when you think about how how little time you have to react, how pitchers, how hard they throw nowadays, all the trick pitches that guys have. Uh, the strike zone uh, right now is, is helping the hitters a little bit, and I think hurting pitchers because they shrunk it so much. But still the reactions involved, the hand-eye coordination, I just can't imagine that there's anything harder to do. I, I think... Um, you know, fans have their own feelings on things. I think they sit at home and say, why is the guy swinging a ball in the dirt? Things like that. Well, you, you just don't understand a lot of times when you're behind in the count uh, how defensive you are and how, how tough it is to try and do those kind of things. So um, I think I think hitting, I think hitting there, there can't be anything harder to do than anything harder to do than hit. Pitchers nowadays, uh, you know, hitters don't like pitchers. Pitchers don't like hitters necessarily. Um but uh, uh, as far as as far as the, as the pitchers go, the strike zone, as I said, is so much smaller now. Uh, but these guys, the game has changed a lot, Spencer, in my mind, because of bullpens. Used to be starters would be out there, and you have a guy who's a little bit tired at the end of the game. Now they bring these guys in to throw 95 mile an hour, and they have split oh, yeah. fingers and that kind of thing. It's changed the game. Yeah, and, and five days rest, and, and and you're right. The pitchers, there's definitely more uh, people on the staff pitching, and. Uh, you're right. It's a great battle between a, a pitcher and a batter. Uh, you now rewind back to uh, you went to Penn State and uh, probably went into went into communications there as a major. What advice would you have for young sports broadcasters like myself that uh, that really want to take this career on as a profession? What advice would you give? to myself and others along the same path as me that love sports and uh, that pretty much their hobbies right now are watching sports. So talk about pros and cons and talk about advice uh, that you would give young sports pro. Well, that's such a broad question. There's so many things that would take, you know, take another half hour to really go over. But I, in a nutshell, my advice to kids has always been when you go there, understand that the people in front of the cameras, behind the microphone, that's the most quote-unquote glamour part of it, maybe the most financially rewarding, but there are tons of behind-the-scenes people that work in television and radio that are so important to what we do, uh, and 
don't eliminate those kind of things because you may not be able to be in front of the camera or be behind the microphone, but there's all kinds of other things. I've always felt try different things, let them tell you you can't do it, but keep trying different things, and don't be afraid when you go to college to back it up with another um, another uh, sub-major, whatever they call them nowadays, in case there's a fallback position in case it doesn't work out for what you want to do because there are a lot of jobs in this business nowadays but there's so many people that want to get into it but don't give up on the dream of it uh, and try to do if they tell you good behind the camera get behind the camera give it a try if they want you to work in the control room go work in the control room learn how to do all those kind of things because that may be your role eventually and not in front of the camera okay thank you so much chris again for joining us and uh and really uh, getting great insight into uh, what it takes to be an announcer in this business and giving us also a great feel for the game that you've loved since a kid and that you've played in baseball. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on Bruce the Sports Doc today, and uh, it was an honor having you, and you're welcome back anytime. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, absolutely, uh, Spencer. I enjoy talking with you. I, I wish you the best uh, You know, graduating from high school and then going on to college and and pursue your dream, and uh, you never know. Uh, it, it just may work out for you. It's been my pleasure speaking. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back, guys. You're listening to Bruce the Sports Doc on the Voice America Sports Network. 
It's a beautiful Tuesday. Uh, springtime's coming around the corner, and uh, when you think of springtime, you think about uh, NBA basketball. You're just in the heat of the season, and we are privileged again to be joined by one of our uh, one of our top guests, definitely that comes through the station, and that's Wesley Kaminsky from Bleacher. It's his time of the month, and to tell you the truth, he's a football and basketball guru. So it's always a great time to have Wes Kaminsky on the show. Glad to be back, as always. And uh, I know that you are coming on the show and you're in a uh, jolly mood because uh, the Chicago Bulls are fresh off of uh, Game 1 upset in Miami. Talk about your mood that you've been in and uh, give us some observations from a, a magical Bulls win versus Miami. Yeah, I mean, really, really uh, coming off a huge Game 7, you know, it, that was one of the best wins I've seen with the Bulls. You know, shorthanded, obviously no Heinrich, no Dang, of course no Rose. And the way they came out in Game 7 just showed so much heart. And then carrying it over two days later, again with no dang, still hospitalized. Um, Heinrich, still bad like calf injury. Rose, not back. And, I mean, it's just really incredible the job that this team does. They play with so much passion. They really believe in each other. Like, it's really rare to see that in a team. And just you just saw all game long, you know, Jimmy Butler chipping in with 21 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, Nate Robinson, of course, at the end, finishing 27 points and nine rebound, nine assists. Excuse me. And then the key is Carlos Boozer. He finishes just six points, seven rebounds. Doesn't even really play in the fourth quarter. But and then Todd Gibson comes in and fills in beautifully, and it's just an incredible win for the Bulls. Yeah, they they really just have guys that are replaceable, just could fill in voids. Um, I, my first question I want to ask you is that. Uh, on Friday night, the Bulls had a, a game for their lives where they had to go to um, Brooklyn, play the Nets, and then only three days later, they played the Heat. Would you say that that emotional wave from Brooklyn has helped the Bulls in game one? I mean, yeah, well, they the Heat definitely looked a little rusty. You know, they haven't played in over a week uh, after sweeping the Bucks, so you, you could tell, you know, they did look a little tired. Not a little tired, a little rusty, a little sluggish. And the Bulls looked like they were just playing on adrenaline, you know. I mean, Jimmy Butler, again, he's played 96 straight minutes. That's three straight games he hasn't sat. I mean, he's replacing Dang, and that's what Dang does, who led the league in minutes. So that's the key with this Bulls team is they always have guys who can come in and play their role, you know. Tom Thibodeau's favorite uh, thing is, um, you know, we have more than enough to win with. And I feel like, you know, any player on the Bulls team is ready for their number to be called. And that's why Thibodeau is such a great coach. You watch Nate Robinson on a week-to-week basis, and you've grown with Nate throughout the season. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Nate Robinson has been with the Bulls for a couple of years. Talk about the progression that Nate has made because he's really um, jumped to kind of an elite player. He sort of had this reputation in the league, um, as you know, kind of a jacker and an erratic basketball player. Uh, talk about the strides he's made because he's been a huge component to this run. Nate has always been an energy guy. That's no secret. He's always been a guy who's going to come in. He'll give you some shots. I mean, he's that kind of guy. And this season, the Bulls needed a backup point guard. Heinrich was brought in to be the starter until Rose would come back, which still hasn't happened. And Robinson was called in to be Heinrich's backup. And they signed him for just $854,000, not even to a guaranteed contract. We got him at the end of free agency. And, you know, turns out he's been the best player the Bulls in the playoffs. I mean, he carried them to that incredible Game 4 victory, the comeback 
Hopefully, twenty-three fourth-order points. And tonight again, he just hits big shot after big shot. You know, he has a short memory. Like he always wants the ball because he he always thinks he's going to make it. And that's really the kind of player that you want on your team in the playoffs. I mean, it can hurt you a lot. I mean, I watched a lot of games this year where Nate Robinson shot the goals right out of it. <laughs> but there's a lot of games where he shoots them right back into it. But, you know, that's what he's got with him. That's the kind of player he is. You know, his nickname is Love, Hate, Nate because, I mean, you know, you either love him or hate him. And, I mean, it's hard not to love him right now. About Nate Robinson is that uh, with Kirk Heinrich and especially Derrick Rose being out, uh, just as a fan and you, and just as your opinion, do you think that having Nate play all um, 48 minutes of a basketball game, do you really think that it's, it's helping his rhythm right now? Because you haven't really seen him in this developed starting role. You've always seen him in little spurts where he's coming off cold off a bench. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like for him it really doesn't matter how many minutes he plays because he's a warrior. I mean, he's, a, he's so versatile, 5'8" played defensive back at Washington in college. Wow. I mean, he's just a really versatile player, and he's just the kind of guy you can throw in in any situation. And he played 40 minutes tonight, got a little rest, and Marcus T gave him some decent minutes. But, and also, it just, it's, yeah, Nate has been spectacular. I mean, and he's battling, he's recovering from his flu. I mean, you always see, you know, Nate's a guy who always gets bounced around because he's so small, he gets stepped on, shoved around, and, He's always, he always bounces back up. Like tonight, he bleeding. So I'm just left in the first half. Had to get had to get stitches. Was out for the game for a little bit and comes back and you know he's just got a short memory out there. You know what? When I watch this Bulls team, there's one word that really comes to mind, and that's chemistry. And you look at this group, and they're just such a tight-knit group, and they've been together for a couple years, and the Bulls organization has really let them kind of grow together. So you've been following the Bulls and all their um, transactions in the last couple of years. Talk about this franchise in the in the last um a year or so and how they've held together and then picking up guys like Marco Bellinelli. Talk about a veteran like him who's been around the league and just the confidence that Marco has. It's it's pretty astonishing for a guy that is kind of, to me, has seemed like a lower tier player but is really elevating his game to a playoff weapon. Yeah, I mean, um, actually Bellinelli was brought in to replace Kyle Korver and Nate Robinson was brought in to replace C.J. Watson Jimmy Butler replaced Ronnie Buller. I mean, Jimmy Butler didn't get much time last year. But it's kind of a different team this year. You know, they got rid of some core guys, and got they lost Omar Sheik, too. Nadi Rahama replaced him. And so this, it was kind of a new team this year. I mean, they, they still obviously have their core guys with Rose, um, with Rose, Dang, Boozer, Gibson, and Noah. And, and then bringing back Heinrich. You know, Heinrich loves Chicago. Chicago loves him. It's just a perfect match. And I think, I mean, it really comes down to Tom Thibodeau again. Like, you can't say enough about the job that he's done for this team. I mean, the guy just instills, I mean, you have to play with your heart. You never, you're, we're never out of it with Thibodeau. And that's just the kind of coach he is. And, yeah, in regards to Bellinelli, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch him play much in his career. Uh, you know, I think he played for the Hornets, Warriors. I, you know, he kind of bounced around a little yeah. bit. I mean, the Bulls brought him in, and he's—I mean—he's hit a few big shots this season. He's hit game winners against uh, against the against the Pistons, against the right. Celtics, right. and he's, he hit a big shot tonight. Misses the three. Noah gets the rebound right back to Bellinelli, ties the game. 
And he, he also, he played 46 minutes tonight. He has to play big minutes with no dang. And it's, it's just, it was a really crazy game to watch. You know, the Heat just, they looked a little sluggish. And I, I do expect the Heat to come out with a lot of energy to start game two. Yeah, a common theme, I think, that goes into the Bulls' ownership is that they pick players that, one, are veterans and that, two, are just hard workers, that, that are not glamour guys, that are not like egos and that are not um, – worried about their own personal output and sometimes they even would pick a guy with a better personality maybe over a more talented option like I think they'd rather have a guy maybe like a Carlos Boozer than like a DeMarcus Cousins for example like yeah, some of he's sitting on the bench for pretty much the entire fourth quarter if not the whole fourth quarter and you're not, you're not going to see him pouting you're not going to see him upset like that's the speaks of the character of this team. Like, if someone's not stepping up, not doing their job, we'll bring someone else in. That's what they did tonight. Because Gibson played great defense, hits a big jump shots, and you know, Boozer's not going to pout. He's not that kind of player. And it's just you saw that last year too, uh, with Gibson playing over Boozer late in games, and Omer Sheik sometimes would play over Noah. And you know, they're never complaining. They're never. It's all about the team. It's all about winning. You know, you, you see Rose on the bench too. I mean. You see, I mean, he looks alive out there. He's like another coach out there. Yeah. Have to wonder if he's going to try to come back. Yeah. They're all animated right now, and I definitely want to get to Derrick Rose real quick, but... Um, you know, we, we got a couple minutes left. You're listening to um, the Bruce the Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. We're here by Bulls Insider Wes Kaminsky. And uh, Wes, you've been a big Joakim Noah fan. He's one of the most colorful personalities in the NBA. Talk about your love for Joakim. He's out there. He's all over the Twitter sphere. There's millions of made-up Twitters that are made up for Joakim Noah that are really entertaining. But just talk about, like, Joakim Noah as a basketball player and how he's an inspiration. Because when I watch Joakim Noah, he makes me feel that even though I'm a 5'10 kid that can't jump very high, he makes me feel just like when I play a pickup game that I could get every rebound and impact other areas of the game. So just talk about how hard he works, and I think he's the desire of Joakim Noah. Yeah, I mean, Joakim Noah is really just, every game, I love the guy more. I mean, after game six, six loss at home against Brooklyn, Noah closed up the game. He said, we're going to go into a hostile environment in Brooklyn we're going to win game seven he wanted to play the game right then he didn't want to wait he wanted to play right then and he backs it up with 24 points 14 rebounds and seven blocks in probably the best game of his career in front of his home family he's he's a New Yorker from his hometown he said after the game that you know he said he's going to remember this game for the rest of his life because he's really an incredible player I was actually I wasn't happy when they picked him to be honest like wasn't a big fan of him in Florida. I didn't, obviously didn't think I'd fall in love with him like I did now, but he's been the same exact player he's been in Florida. He's just, it's all heart. He's the, he's the guy in a game seven, you know, you want him. You want him on your team. Like, yeah. there's not many more guys in this league that I'd want on my team in a crucial playoff game other than Joe Kim Noah. Yeah, it, it just oh, that quote there that you said, I'll remember for the rest of his life, and that's just a first-round series. And, I mean, I think that uh, your observations make complete sense. He's just a guy who you want to go to battle with. He's such a great teammate. He's so encouraging. But, you know, people see Joakim Noah. They see the dreads, and they could sometimes be deceived as his looks as, as, as an ego, but he really is an unselfish and deep person and uh, just a true professional, Joakim Noah. I mean, unless, like... I mean, I've watched Joe Keane for 
four or five, or however long he's been in the league right now. And I mean, it's like it's contagious. How it's contagious. You know, it's hard if you're if he's on your team, like you you love the guy. If you're playing against him, like he's loud, he's screaming, he's all over the place. Absolutely. And he's annoying and <laughs> pest, and that's why I love him. Yeah. Why? That's why you want him. Yeah. At Florida, he was doing the Gator Chomp, and I mean, Florida just ha- was a very talented team. But uh, yeah, again, you. You like you like the underdogs, but having athletes like that in pro sports is great to stir the pots. And and uh, again, he uh, I I don't know if he means poorly by it, but he's like a Charles Barkley. And uh, yeah, I mean, Charles Barkley every game. Yeah, there's very they, you can make a lot of similarities between those two guys. I wasn't alive for Barkley, but those guys hustle, take the game very seriously. I mean, Noah has that on and off switch that that just successful people have, you know, between being funny and then knowing when to get down to business. Yeah, he's yeah, I can't say enough about the guy. So with this Bulls Heat series, the Bulls won one game. LeBron James, twenty four points, had a had a had a um, pretty good second half. But again, what do you think the key is to beating Miami and uh, following off this blueprint that you have established in Game One? Well, I mean, I think the Heat are gonna. They got a lot of open shots tonight. They missed a lot of open threes. I mean, the first half they weren't hitting, and I think it's gonna be different. You know, Shane Batty is gonna be hitting the shots. Ray Allen. Uh, Mike Miller will be hitting shots. I think I think the Heat are going to come out a lot better in Game Two because you know you've seen in the past yeah. uh, when they're down they really come through. I think last year against uh, yeah. Boston Game yeah. Six, remember the LeBron James forty five points. So you know the key for the Bulls is I mean they got to keep executing on offense like they did tonight. Uh, big shots. Bellinelli hits big shots. Butler played fearless out there. And the key is I think Boozer's going to have to play a lot better. Um, he sh- I think he shot like two of ten in the field, and he's got to be a lot better for the Bulls to have a chance. Like tonight was kind of a weird game, as the uh, Heat was a little rusty, as I've said before. But obviously, as a Bulls fan, it's really hard not to feel much better after this game, especially playing without Dang, without Heinrich, and it's it's it was a perfect game. Yeah. So so the limit limit transition and limit it, it like layups and free throws for LeBron James. Definitely key because you know the Heat just once they get going they get on a run and and it's just it turns the game around. Once I thought tonight the Heat up by seven, game's getting kind of out of hand, but Nate Robinson gets fouled, hits two big free throws, and goals are right back in it. You know, it's bend but don't break. You know, pivot it out. Just Right, it's like they they really take on the personality of their coach, unlike any franchise in sports. And uh, I mean, just a great interview again with Wes. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, I think I uh, I maybe went a little bit overboard on time, but hopefully we'll catch that up with the next couple segments. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens after Game One, but I fully expect tomorrow ESPN to jump to conclusions about the Heat and about. Oh, all yeah. this stuff about LeBron and, oh, Stephen A and, and Skip Bayless they will not do the Bulls a favor by fueling LeBron's fire right yeah. you you want to keep that you want to keep the, the game there's going to be a sweep for the Heat keep the King happy right <laughs> yeah I mean I, I'm not I mean I fully expect the Heat still to come back but 
it's hard not to feel good right now. Right, and and I mean, like the the Bulls, I watched them, and and in the game in the regular season, it's tough to end this conversation about playoff hoops today. But uh, in the regular season, the Bulls kind of were physical with LeBron. Just again, do you think that that's a good idea if he comes for the lane to kind of let him know that he's not going to have an easy picnic? It's playoff basketball, you know. I mean, it's playoff basketball. The Bulls are one of the toughest teams in the league. They're so mentally tough. And they don't fear LeBron. Like, a lot of teams fear LeBron. Even Jimmy Butler, you saw him, like, try to tackle LeBron today. But LeBron will finish it because of his strength. Yeah. But the Bulls really, I mean, they believe they can beat anybody in the league. Like, they, they actually are under that belief. And that's special. And then in Chicago, Chicago, a home court advantage. The Heat is physical. And, and so the Heat must have been breathing a sigh of relief once the Nets lost that game. Yeah, so a, ho- a home court a home court advantage for Chicago will definitely play a big role in the series. Yeah, but we did see two years ago again, Bulls did win game one and then he ended up winning five, so we'll see what happens this time around. Well, we'll, we'll be sure to try to check in with you again uh, very soon. And uh, Wes, good luck to your Bulls, man. Thanks for coming out on the um, Bruce's Sports Stop. <laughs> he's yelling he's a diehard fan so that's just Wes Kaminsky right now and uh, again a great interview with him and uh, he's just catching us up on Bulls Heat basketball and uh, giving us the whole landscape of the Chicago Bulls franchise as they're going to be definitely in the spotlight of news as they take game one and have definitely made some headwave in the NBA playoffs you're listening to Bruce's Sports Stock on the Voice America Sports Network Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Bruce the Sports Doc on the Voice America Sports Network. And uh, again, it's springtime, it's May, it's a beautiful time of year, people are out there barbecuing, people are going to their proms for high school students, colleges are ending, it is a great time of year, and summer is looking us right in the face. When you think of ba- when you think of spring, well, I already hinted at it, you think of the sport of baseball. And here I am privileged to be joined by one of the key components of this FCS baseball phenomenon, which is their baseball team. So I'm here with Benjamin Fogel, who plays varsity baseball for Friend Central. And Ben, just talk about your background, being a fan of the show, and uh, talk about yourself as a student and as an athlete. Sure, absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me on the show, Spencer. Uh, I've, I've been meaning to get on the show uh, for a long time. The honor's all mine. Um, I'm excited to finally be on the show, get my get my voice out there, uh, get heard. So this is this is exciting. I've I've dreamt about this moment, and uh, and uh, here I am. So uh, I guess a little about me. Um, like you said, I'm Ben Fogel. I'm a senior at FCS. Um, I play second base and third base. Uh, so I'm mainly a utility infielder, but um, I, I come in off the bench to to pitch some games, come in out of the bullpen as well as sometimes I'll play corner outfield, so left field and right field. Um, that that's where I'm at right now. Uh, tomorrow we have our last our last regular season game. We're looking to break two records, and then we're going into the playoffs. So it's uh, it's uh, pretty big for us. Yeah, you, you, you described yourself as kind of like a five-tool guy, as kind of like an everyday player just doing everything with this team. And uh, talk about your background of playing baseball as a kid because you know we know that you're kind of a journeyman. You started off at Saligman uh, Day School, and then you've worked your way up to, to being a key part of a friend Central Varsity baseball team. So just talk about your love for the game stemming from an early age. Yeah, I guess uh, I started playing baseball when I was uh, five years old. I played uh uh, I played Lower Marion Little League, and I, I must have played Lower Marion Little League for uh, eight years, nine years. So it was always fun doing spring and fall ball, playing in the summer as well. So I've, I've always been involved uh, 
uh, with with baseball and little league as well as through middle school um, and then uh, and then straight into high school. Although my my high school career has been rough, uh, hopefully this is going to be my first full. Uh, season healthy. Hopefully, uh, I didn't jinx it. Knock on wood. Um, but when I was a sophomore, I, I broke my ankle in two spots, and then I broke my wrist. Um, last year, I, I broke my thumb, and uh, I, I pulled a tendon. So so far uh, this year, so good. I'm, I'm trying to stay healthy, and I'm trying to uh, just uh, make sure I can actually physically uh, play the game. It's it's a physical sport, actually, baseball, and I guess it's more physical than people might perceive it to be. Uh, again, you're listening to uh, Ben Fogel, Spencer Grossinger. You can follow him on Twitter at BF Changs, and uh, he mentioned getting his name out, and that's exactly what he's doing. But also, this Front Central baseball team has a lot of interesting personalities, coupled by great success in the Friends League this year. Um, in the past couple of years, how have you guys fared in the league compared to this year? I'll start off with that. Well, in uh, 2011, we won the Friends League, and um, last year we had a very early exit. It was very disappointing when we lost to Friends Select and we left early. But what we're trying to do now is something that no Friends Central team has ever done. We are trying to go undefeated in, in the Friends League, and we would be the first Friends Central team to do it in the modern era. So we'd be the first varsity baseball team to do this in the modern era. So that's, that's very exciting. Um, currently, right now, we are first place in our division. We are first place in our league. We are 9-0 and and undefeated. If we win tomorrow, we do get that undefeated, and we go 10-0 and on the season, which is already a historical first in Front Central history. The other historic, the other historic moment um, would be if we score a run tomorrow. So if we win, we have to score a run. But currently, we have 99 runs in the league this year. So, so far, we've scored 99 runs. And if we score one run tomorrow, yeah. break 100, and we break another record. Free corn dogs. So in the past, free corn dogs, like I said, when I was a sophomore, we won the Friends League Championship. Ben, free corn dogs tomorrow if you score that run? So tomorrow, if we score that run, if we win that game, we break a record, and we do, we've, we'll do something no other Friends Central team has done in history. So while Friends Central has been able to win the Friends League Championship, hopefully now we can finally do more than win that championship. We can completely dominate the league, and we can do, uh, and we could be the the best Friends Central team in history. You talked about Friends League a lot. That, that's what I've pretty much gathered from your answer. And uh, since you're a four-year guy, you've been around the sport a while. You've been through the pu- the tug and uh, pug of the of the season. Well, you know what you know what I'm describing there with that. You've been through the you've been through the ringer. Um, you've played you've played four years. You've been around the uh, the team for being what it seems maybe like a water boy role in the first couple of years. No, I'm just kidding with you, Ben. But you've You've seemed to have seen faces in the Friends League from playing them, from playing each team once a year. So just talk about facing players in the Friends League and talk about your most sworn enemy in the Friends League. I mean, don't be afraid because I'm sure that it's just, a, it's just, a, you're just enemies on the baseball field. And once you get off the diamond, your friends and your casual acquaintances in the neighborhood, but just talk about the rivalry. Talk about the Friends League. You're a senior and you've seen these kids for four years. Are you disgusted with maybe guys from Shipley, maybe guys from Germantown Friends? Talk about the Friends League and the rivalry you have built over time. Well, you stole my thunder right there, Spencer. At Germantown and uh, Shipley, there are two biggest rivals. Um, it was great playing them both this year. Shipley, 
uh, we completely obliterated them. We embarrassed them on their oh, own home. Oh, man. Shots. Fans. We beat them 19 nothing. Oh. Mercy rule style. We had Mercy rule. the ball in our most trusted pitcher, who pitched, I believe, a, um, a two-hit shutout. We had Aaron the Ross. Slam jam, baby. Sorry. I know uh, Aaron uh, Ross. He's, he's famous. <laughs> he's famous on the program. I know he's. He's tried to record a couple shows. Um, we're going to have to get him We've on. scratched him. He's on the deleted scenes side of the podcast, but he's working his way up to maybe getting his big time. He's working, but uh, Aaron Ross completely dominated Shipley, and we beat them 19 nothing. And then Aaron Ross, uh, he got the ball against GFS, uh, who is our biggest ally, of, uh, who is our biggest uh, rival, sorry, our biggest enemy yeah. in all of Front Central Sports. And the ship, right? Hitter against GFS. Is it the ship? Is it the show hitter? Is it the ship? Um, well, we sunk the ship and then we caged the tiger. Um, like I said, Aaron threw the no hitter. Um, he he got on a, a shout out on ninety four one on the radio. Um, he he got a little thing, a little blurb in the, for the Inquirer. So we threw a no hitter against GFS and yeah. we beat them ten nothing. So that was it was fantastic to uh, bring the Felsen Cup, which is um, what our rivalry between them is. Um, we're bringing it back to uh, Friend Central. Um, Aaron threw a no hitter. It was it was great. Tensions did flare that game. Uh, there was a little uh, a little violence, but uh, you know <laughs> we we of course ended up on top. Yeah, I mean you just got to take the high road in that situation. Let your let your actions speak for themselves on the field. I mean we're glad that uh, uh, we're glad that our dear friend Aaron Ross is a better um, thrower of the baseball than he is a radio host out there or a radio guest. That is- that is very true, but um, he's learning. Uh, he is an aggressive uh, radio host. He is unfiltered. I'm um, yeah. on the radio, but he's he's he's, he's like that. On Definitely, the too. Um, there was not Couples in the game. There was one at home plate where another senior, Danny Rogers, um, tried to run past the catcher, and there were a couple elbows and a couple fists being thrown. But that passed, and then um. Yeah. Our, uh, one of our hitters, uh, Lou Schlesinger, uh, tentative Lou, as laid laid back Lou. Laid back Lou, tentative Lou, sweet Lou, whatever you want to call him. Sweet Lou, I love that. <laughs> yeah, he, he got hit by a pitch. Yeah. And then the, the next pitch, Aaron Ross uh, did something very risky. He risked his no-hitter um, when he hit the guy intentionally. Oh. The first. Oh, I love that. That's team so. above himself actions right there. So. Exactly. Tension, I, tensions flared, but I'm, of course, once again, we... <laughs> He's not afraid to go inside on the hitters, and that that's what makes, you know, talk about the swagger real quick of Aaron Ross. I, I know he chews gum like a cow. I know he's very loose with his words, but it seems on the mound he's had a lot of control, really gotten into a groove. Talk about his work ethic this year. What do you think has been the key to Aaron Ross's ignition? Uh, well, the greatest thing about Aaron Ross is he has the worst mechanics of any baseball player that I think anyone in the team has ever seen. He's terrible mechanics, but he's got that natural baseball instincts, and he can deliver. His swing, when he swings, he jumps around, he's flopping. He'll, if he swings and miss, he'll do a full 180 turn. He'll jump in the air and turn to the other side. Little bench warmers at little... One hand off the bat and stick it up there. When he swings, it is ugly. But when he hits the ball, it's it's a thing of beauty. He's got that natural baseball talent. He knows what he's doing. He's got a high baseball IQ. So while he's not, he doesn't have perfect or good-looking mechanics, he knows how to play the game well. And that's why he's one of our best uh, hitters, and he is our, our our best pitcher. So he, he knows how to play the game. He's the funniest kid. Everyone loves Aaron Ross. 
He's 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 uh you know what he's productive that he gets a lot of bang for his buck so to speak Aaron Ross so uh, one of the catalysts of this team Aaron Ross but again I want to talk more about the season as a whole you started off on a very rough note in April huge wake up call it's like your coach Ross came to your bed at 6 a.m. and poured a bucket of Gatorade on your head as Episcopal. And Malvern Prep, you took a trip out to the rugged fields of Newtown Square, and they completely lit you guys up. How did that wake-up call, how did that tough scheduling by your coach kind of help you guys benefit later on by playing teams in the Friends League? Well, the first thing our coach said this year is we would have to face adversity, and adversity we faced before the season even started, before we even started playing games. Our assistant coach uh, had to be let go, so we had to part ways with our assistant coach, who who had to be um, fired from the team and and released. So for the entire year, we've had one head coach. We've had only had one true coach. We've had uh, you know some great FCS graduates, some great alumni of the baseball program, Noreedy Neal and uh, Big Phil Rosenblum. They've come and helped out, but we've really only had one coach. So that was that was rough in the beginning. We were. Uh, uh, we were getting 10 and 15 runs every day when we went down to South Carolina. I'm not going to lie. We got our, um, I'll try to keep it PG, we got our butts handed to us in South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. I mean, we, we would keep getting 10 runs every day, and uh, we would play in the snow in Haverford. It was snowing and hailing, yeah. and we lost. And it was it was really miserable. And uh, we needed a big wake-up call. We needed that spark. And uh, we finally got that spark and uh, came back. Although, one funny story um, Spencer, I, I I know you'll like it, and I know the, the listeners. All right, absolutely. S- send us out because okay. Uh, I, be- I believe it was. Uh, <sighs> no pressure, Ben. Take your time. Fielder, I know Springside merged with that school. Oh, I don't remember what yeah. that school was, but when we merged, um, it was zero zero. It was a great game, zero zero going into the fourteenth inning, and then after the uh, after the fourteenth inning. I mean, sorry, after the fourth inning, they scored 17 runs in the fourth. Oh, it was Chestnut Hill Academy. <laughs> Against Chestnut Hill Academy, it was 4-4. I mean, it was 0-0 going into the fourth inning. And then they scored 17 runs in the oh in the goodness. fourth inning. And then they had to put me in the pitch, and that's when I earned my nickname. Well, actually, I, I created the nickname for myself, but Ben the Band-Aid Fogel, because, you know, I, I stopped the bleeding. <laughs> right. But, uh, but we lost uh, right on, 17 man. to nothing in the snow. And I think that was... I think that was um, the, the, the big game that changed it for us. Because uh, then we went down to South Carolina and we won our our first uh, our first uh, big game of the year. We won that eleven um, nothing. But you know we still struggled uh, after that. But we finally uh, we we knew what it was like to get killed, and uh, we didn't like that feeling. So we had to you know really turn things around. Absolutely. Again, uh, while time flies, and especially talking to you, Ben Fogel, I mean, just a great uh, first interview on Bruce the Sports Stock Man. You you knocked it out of the park. On, uh, I guess pun was intended. And uh, <laughs> I, I, hope, uh, I hope I didn't uh, talk too much. You know, I, I get nervous on especially such a big program like uh, uh, Bruce the Sports Stock, and I hope I don't just uh, you know. Filibuster, yeah. take up all your time with. I know you got uh, you got other important things. Oh well, as an interviewer, there's not there's no greater joy than hearing uh, the person you're interviewing go ahead and talk. It makes my job easy, and that's my goal is to uh, serve you up some flounders and and give you some easy questions to just tee off on. And uh, <laughs> oh, uh, you, 
We got to go. We got to run. It's Bruce the Sports Doc. That was Ben Fogel. And uh, thank you very much for taking the time out of your day. Thanks. It was, you know, it, was, uh, it was great to be here, Spencer. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. We'll see you then.